Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You're listening to Jedi and Germs, a weekly podcast brought to you by Spreaker.com. My name is John English, and I am a certified G and a bona fide stud, and you can't teach that. And this right here is Devin Masters, the best producer in the world, and you can't teach that. And if you ain't down with that, then I got one word to describe you, and I'm going to spell it out for you. S-A-W-F-T. Soft. Bada boom. Realest guys in the room. How you doing? Good. Good. I'm I'm good, John. I'm good. And I, I really appreciate you you giving us a fine introduction like that. Well you deserve nothing less. Thank you. Thank you. So, um it's been an eventful week. Uh, things have happened. Things are happening and happening. Um I guess we ought to start with uh, the big trade the Jazz made. Joe Ingalls, Elijah Hughes, and two seconds have departed. And they got back Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Wancho Hernan Gomez. Uh, sad to see Joe's days as a jazz man are done. I think he will be back in the future. But uh, Portland didn't waive him. They made him put on a jersey. He's hanging out with the team. I think they want his veteran leadership to just kind of be an influence in the locker room, I guess, for the remainder of the season. Um, but, yeah, bummed to see Joe go. Do, do you think they're trying to convince him to stay? Portland. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're like, do you think that that's something to do with it? I, I think so. They're, they're trying to rebuild and they figured at the timing of his injury, um, it won't be too far into the regular season next year that he'll be ready to play. So yeah, why not? I mean, they're, they've, uh, dumped a lot of assets and brought in a lot of newer assets. They've pretty much mailed in the season. Uh, Damian Lillard's done for the year. And we can get we can get into all the trades later, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Portland's looking at him as some kind of veteran culture guy that they'd like to keep around. I don't like it. I don't either. <laughs> it, it it makes me uncomfortable, and um, you see Josh Hart acting like he's his best friend, bringing him coffee. I don't like it. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. I, I just. I, I did. I never really watched Friends, but I I've seen the gifts of we were on a break, and that's kind of how I feel about Joe Ingles. Like we're on a break, guys. He can't go fooling around with other teams. We're just taking some time apart. Yeah, I think it was one of the twelve eighty guys. I can't remember if it was Alex or Hans, but they tweeted out the picture of Joe in a Blazers jersey, and they said, "You know, I see if I know a fake smile when I see one." <laughs> Hopefully that's what this is because I, uh, so. I, I I'm not a fan. It, it doesn't look right. It's just it's wrong on several levels. Um, but in terms of what the Jazz got back, I admittedly am not sure what to think. 
Do do you like what we received? It's I mean, we got something. You you can't say it was I wouldn't say they lost the trade. They got something. You traded in, you traded a guy who's done for the year that you're not going to get anything out of, and you traded the last guy on your bench. So if you trade the last two guys on your bench for two other guys who may or may not be the last guys on your bench, but have some potential, they're both first round picks in their day. It's it's fine. I I think uh, I was listening to. Um, one of the Locked On Pelicans guys at the beginning of the year, and he was predicting a breakout year for Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And I was actually considering him for sixth man just based on the hype from him. And this third year, he's he's underperformed. You look at his stats, and he's not having a good third year. But if you look at his first two years and what people think of him, and maybe if he's just on a better team, you know, Pelicans haven't been a good team for a while. Maybe, maybe if he's on a winning team in a winning culture with a – better development staff, then he can get back on that positive trajectory that, you know, we saw earlier in his career. So over overall, I think it was a good trade. I thought it was the beginning of a second trade and the second trade never came. So it's like, okay, um, they're, they're counting on running it back. They gave themselves more diversity on the bench. You know, Walker, he can play the two or the three. He's, uh, supposed to be a decent perimeter defender, which is something they needed. Not a lockdown guy, but but at least someone who's decent. And then Hernan Gomez is just kind of a big body that is there. He's kind of the Ursan Ilyasova of this team. I mean, he may or may not play. You hope you get something, but you're not. Re- it doesn't really matter if you play him or not. That's kind yeah. of how I see it. Yeah, and that's where like I started looking at the trade, and I, I was of the mindset of you. Like, there's there's got to be more coming. And it it just never came to fruition. But the thing for me is you traded two guys who weren't seeing the floor this season for two guys who it seems like aren't going to see the floor this season. So, like, it it didn't do anything for me. And you emotionally hurt me for for that, you know. So we'll, we'll see. Um, Alexander Walker is someone who I heard a lot of comparison to Jordan Clarkson. And so my initial thought was, well, maybe he's coming in because Clarkson's getting moved. Um, And when that didn't happen, it was just like, oh, well, when's he going to see the floor then? So I don't know. I I guess the thing to keep in mind is maybe um, for the future, you know, we get to summer and and maybe someone gets moved then. Um, You you just... You'd never know, so we'll we'll see how it plays out. But I mean, I guess the Jazz did something, yay! Yeah, I I'm glad they did something, and maybe for the guys on the team, they're glad that this was all it was. Um, trade deadlines nervous every year for players, and it can affect them. Um, but basically, the front office said, we believe in you guys. We gave ourselves a little more diversity at the end of the bench, but you're still our team. We still believe in you. Now you got to go do it. And I also can't help but wonder if the play of the Jazz the last week is something that made them decide, you know, if, if we're going to make if we're going to make a trade, then it's got to be something that really improves if, if we have to throw in that first round pick. And they didn't see a trade enticing enough that they were willing to give that up for. And so this is where we are. Now they, um, 
they're the off season's going to be interesting. I mean, it all depends on how they do in the playoffs, but they've they've got two sorry, two guys whose contracts do not expire at the end of the year. So Jazz are staying in the tax. Um, they also signed House, so you have a, you have a lot of a lot of decisions in the off season. But I don't want to get too far ahead. Um, but they they are committed to paying the tax this year because they believe in this team and they want to win now. Sure. Which which is good. I mean, that's what Jazz fans have wanted is um, a front office and ownership that is willing to pay to compete and put themselves in a position where they are contenders. You know, not not just saving money for a first round exit. Yeah. Now, Jazz are on a five game winning streak, and. It's all been without Rudy Gobert, and it's been because the rest of the guys are playing defense. The score of the opponent's teams in this five-game winning streak, 104, 102, 104, 85, 99. I looked it up, and that's the only five-game streak of the entire year where they've held opponents to 104 or less. So defense is locked in. Now, granted, not all of those teams were healthy, and some of them are... Games you should win anyway, but five wins is five wins. And they only have Houston and then at the Lakers coming up for the All-Star break. I think they go into the All-Star break on a seven-game win streak. You know, I, I have to agree. I mean, they should. The The Lakers have been reeling, and Houston is Houston. So um, we'll see what happens. What What have been your thoughts on the on the recent five games outside of the defense? Anything that's kind of stood out to you? Well, the defense has been the most important. Um, I was actually just looking at their stats lately. Uh, in February, they're the number three defense and their number seven offense. And that number seven offense is a 118.5, where for the year, that's still the number one offense in the NBA. It's just other teams have been super hot on offense in February. Um, but they have a net rating of 15.3 on this five-game streak, which is super nice. Um, I think you've seen a lot more um, communication between the, the teammates. Um, one thing that really kind of exposed the Jazz the last couple of years have been injuries, but it's also been defensive lapses. And Rudy's injury, they've never really had to go without Rudy. They had to figure out how to play without Donovan and Conley and Bogdanovich. Um, but this is their first real stretch where they've had to figure out how to play without Rudy. And <clears throat> it, uh, it something seemed to have lit in a fire under these guys, and they are recommitted to defense. And so I think when Rudy comes back, I hope they don't just go, oh, Rudy's back, we don't have to play defense anymore. If they can keep that same intensity and then have Rudy back in the lineup, then I feel much better about how they're going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and I mean, it should. They should. They know Rudy's had his complaints, and you start winning games, you, in my mind, would want to continue doing what you've been doing. Um, as far as the five-game winning streak, there are a few things that have stood out to me. Um, Trent Forrest has really started to come into his own. Um I, I saw him take a few shots on Friday night, a few threes. I know he made at least one of them, uh, and I'm just happy he's he's being willing to pull the trigger. But his athleticism, his on-court intelligence, he, he's a good ball player. And, you know, the Jazz really need to look at 
locking him up into a longer contract if I were them. Because he's he's a bargain right now, and you, you don't want to lose a guy like that. Um, and the other thing that stood out to me, Doak. Azabuki has been fantastic, and he is getting better every time he steps on the floor, Jim. I mean, you're talking about a guy who looked like he had poor conditioning, who seemed completely lost, and he looks good, right? Yeah, he's uh, he's in the starting lineup, and they've won every game. He's averaging 9.6 points, 9.4 rebounds as a starter, and 1.4 blocks, which is important. <clears throat> um, there's His rawness is still showing itself here and there, but this this week, more than any other week since they drafted him, has made me really see um, the actual potential in Azabuki. And I'm excited for him and that he finally has this chance and that he's taking advantage of this chance. And, and with what you just said, I, I feel like if Rudy comes back, Rudy's got to come off the bench. <laughs> I, I mean, until Doak loses a game, right? Well, uh, hard to justify um, making him lose his starting spot because he's been so effective. Actually, no, really has to start. But <clears throat> um, well, thing, something else I was looking at. In, in the five-game win streak, uh, Donovan's three-point shooting is back. He's 39.5. Mike Conley's shooting 38%. Royce is shooting 38%. Um, <clears throat> some of the other guys are not doing as well. And we've seen that in sections, a lot of games, like, like the Orlando game. Um, I watched that game and jazz lost the second and third quarter. Um, they, they dominated him in the first, they let Orlando kind of come back and then they dominated him again in the fourth. And that was kind of the story of that game. Um, but you know, their, their defense has been good enough that it hasn't really mattered. So that's been finding Danny really yeah they uh they dominated in the first quarter i believe they were up by 18 they were shooting like 20 percent from three during that stretch so you know it wasn't the jazz shooting that put them out in front you know it was the other things that they were doing so it's been nice to see them win games and we'll see what happens uh the two games they have coming up what days are those uh monday and wednesday Monday and Wednesday, okay. Little uh, Valentine's, little Valentine's Day. Yeah, Jazz, yeah. Jazzentine's Day. And since it's the Rockets, it should be an easy win. That's a good one to take your lady to. Or your man. And or your man, ladies. Or your man. Or your man. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's go ahead and look at... Uh, after after Houston and LA, that we're going to go into All Star Weekend. Uh, Rudy and Don are in the reserves. Um, they picked their teams. Did you watch the team selection, perchance? I did not. I uh, I saw the order in which things were picked. Um, I did tweet out that my sources told me that Donovan and Rudy's relationship has become so strained that they joined separate All Star teams. Um, it's it's big news out of my East Coast source um, who yeah. has knowledge of things and stuff. Yep. Uh, Brian Windhorst and NBA Central reporting that uh, Donovan's demanding a trade by now. Um, but yeah, the the 
the selection show this year, you know, you know, last year it was just kind of ruined because LeBron and KD decided to just be jerks to Mitchell and Gobert. And I was wondering what they would do this time. This time, you know, I actually thought it was kind of funny because of what they did to Harden. Uh, they, they made their starter picks. That's fine. They're going through the reserves. That's okay. About halfway through the reserves, you can kind of tell what's going on. Mm-hmm. And they just start egging it on. And Durant was just stone-faced, no-selling it, just doing incredible straight man work on, you know, picking his other teammates. And Le- LeBron kind of got in on it, too. And so he's he's making sure that he does it every so that they got hard and picked last. I, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> And and Chuck's like he's got traded, he's healthy now, and just stuff like that. So that that was that, my that kind of thing. amused me. <laughs> and uh, I still haven't heard on who's replacing Draymond. Did that has news broken on that yet? Um, I think it has, but I don't recall who it was. Was it uh Murray? Oh, oh, it was Murray. It was Murray. Why are okay. their teams different then? I only had 23 picked. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Oh, oh, because LeBron's healthy and Durant's not. That's why. Okay, yeah, so. Okay. Those were the teams. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Rudy, Rudy goes second to last, which is annoying. Um especially because in all-star games, he's played really well. I mean, guys have thrown him a lot of lobs. He hasn't just been a defensive player when he's been in an all-star game, probably because there's no defense. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it is what it is, and everyone had a chuckle because Harden was last this year. So um, when, when you look at the teams, though, I mean, Team LeBron is just going to dominate, right? LeBron's starting lineup is much stronger than Durant's. And I think that's where the game's going to be won. I actually like KD's bench more, but LeBron's starting team is undeniable. Yeah, I, I mean, he got Giannis, he got Jokic, and I think he got Curry. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean he has, like, all the former MVPs on his team. Yeah, he, he's got one of those teams where it's like, here's your money and pick five, but you get to pick, like, three of the $5 players. That's what he did. I mean, you actually, you could argue that four of the best six players in the NBA are starting for LeBron. It's LeBron, Giannis, Steph, Jokic, and then DeRozan. And to, to be fair, I mean, look at DeRozan's last few games, man. He is balling out. Yeah, he's earned it. I think he's, what is he, sixth in scoring? Yeah, but like his last five or six <clears throat> games, his stat lines are bonkers. He's been shooting over 60%, I think. He's just, he's doing it all. Yeah, he's been, in the month of February, he's been averaging 35 points a game. Ooh, that's nice. Told you, told you. Yeah, yeah. Like MVP numbers if if Chicago were better. So. Well, I wanted to go over a lot of the trades. Um, okay. I actually... Broke down all the trades and did a tweet chain on it a couple days ago, but I wanted to go ahead and review this. And I'm going to do it by the standings as of yesterday morning on what teams did what. I'll start with the West. 
Number one is Phoenix. They're 45 and 10. They traded away Jalen Smith and their 2022 second round pick and waived Abdel Nadir and they brought in Tory Craig and they brought in Aaron Holiday. And Suns probably top to bottom the best team in the NBA anyway, one through 12. And to bring in two guys like that to shore things up, um, you know, Phoenix defending Western Conference champs, I think I think it's a good, subtle move for them. Mm-hmm. Um, if Craig can be the perimeter defender he was two years ago, they're, they're just getting really good value there. And Aaron Holiday is a decent player to take a flyer on. So, you know, they they gave up on their first-round pick from a couple years ago. Jalen Smith's already gone. They didn't extend him, and things just didn't work out there. But I think that's overall a positive for Phoenix. Um, Golden State didn't make any moves, and neither did Memphis. They're 2-3 and three in the West right now. They're both content to just... You know, Golden State's content to get healthy, and I don't blame him. Do you th- do you think Memphis should have made a move? No, I I don't think they needed to. You know, they're they've got the chemistry going right now. They've been playing extremely well. Um, I I haven't followed them closely enough to know where any weaknesses are, you know, and what was out there. But uh, the the moves they made during the off season seem to have paid dividends. I mean, they brought in Adams. Um, they they drafted a player that some people, I guess, kind of liked uh, in in Bain. Yeah, I I think if you're Memphis, you're fine to just keep rolling with it. It's it's working. Yeah, and they they uh, they're still waiting for Dylan Brooks to get back. Um, some of their end of bench guys have been having problems, but overall they've, you know, I, I don't blame them for rolling with it too. Now, fourth in the West is Utah. We talked about their trade. I think it makes them a little bit better, just a little more flexible than they would have if they'd stayed back because, you know, they weren't going to have Joe anyway. And I think, I think Nas is going to be an upgrade over Elijah Hughes. I like Elijah Hughes, but he, you could tell he was still a ways away. Um, number five is Dallas, and this is an interesting one. Um, Dallas waived Moses Brown. They traded away Kristaps Porzingis and 2022 second to get back uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertrands from the Washington Wizards. Uh, Wizards started out really strong, but they fell off the map. Uh, Bertrands shooting isn't hasn't been as good, and there's been a lot of stories of Dinwiddie being a problem in the locker room. So this felt like a locker room trade. Um, I don't know if this necessarily makes Dallas better, but they are fifth in the West anyway. What did you think of that one? This was the big trade that that surprised me because Porzingis seemed to be doing better than what he had been doing in previous seasons. Um, I don't know. I, I like Dinwiddie as a player, but I I just I don't know. I I don't know who wins this trade. Either direction, um, I, you know, if, if Dinwiddie's not, if he's giving you locker room problems, then I'd say Washington won this trade. Um, if that was not the case, then it, it's a total toss-up for me. So we we will see. I, I don't know. I mean, Luke is still your guy. Luke is going to have the ball in his hands, so we'll see what Dinwiddie does, you know, off-ball. He's kind of been in similar situations with his experience with uh, Washington, with his time in Brooklyn. You know, he hasn't had to be the guy. So 
I, I think it can work. I think it, it definitely can work. So we'll see what happens. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think Kristaps uh, and Luca didn't get along. And Kristaps, you look at his numbers, he's just not performing this year like he had in previous years. Um, and then Dinwiddie, I think, is one where they figure they can um, revitalize him. He was really good in Brooklyn. Uh, he was a he was a twenty point a night guy in Brooklyn before his injury, um, and then all the big trades happened. So they fi- he didn't he didn't do that in Washington. Obviously, he he really just could not get it going there. But I think new environment for him, new environment for Bertans. Maybe that's a change. Uh, they'd always wanted another ball handler next to Luca. Um, honestly, I just don't. I don't see this like necessarily making them better. I think this is kind of a it's going to be a treading water exchange. And I think Dallas is going to be a first round exit no matter what they do. But this gives them a little more flexibility moving forward for the next step as to what they want to do in building this team. Um, and if you're, you're in that situation, John, a shakeup isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, even if it doesn't work the way that they want it to work, at least you tried something rather than just sitting pat. Yeah, sit, sitting pat wasn't going to work. Um, I don't know if this necessarily is the solution, but at least at least they have a little more flexibility now. Um, those those two are very tradable. If it doesn't work out, they have tradable t- contracts. They're both in the teens per year. It'll be fine. Um, let's see. Uh, number six, Denver did not make any moves. They, they did make a trade about a month ago to get Bryn Forbes, but they didn't do anything in February. <clears throat> and then Minnesota, number seven, they didn't make any moves. Um, not sure why Minnesota didn't want to make a move. Maybe they just feel like they're on a good trajectory. Maybe there just wasn't anything appealing enough for them. Um, but they're they're number seven in the West, and I think them just making the playoffs is going to be a real accomplishment because of just how bad Minnesota's been for so long. So maybe maybe they're content for that, and they're they'll they'll take their first round playoff loss, and, but then go forth with feeling like we're finally on the right track. That's my guess. Yeah, they they haven't made the playoffs in two or three years, right? Didn't they sneak in a couple years back? Two years back? Yeah, they the year Butler was on their team, they made the playoffs. Okay, um, but they've been one of the worst teams in the NBA ever since. Let's see. Yeah, uh, 2018, they made the playoffs. Tibbs was their coach. And then, you know, Tibbs left midway through the next season, and then they've just been in dog days ever since until this year finally got turned around. Uh, so good for Chris Finch. He's He's got them on the right track. Um, <clears throat> number eight is the Clippers, and that is a team I do expect to be in the playoffs. Um, they... Should get Paul George and or Kawhi Leonard back uh, by playoffs. <clears throat> they sent out a bunch of pieces. They sent out Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, Serge Ibaka, and a 2025 second. But they got back Norman Powell, Robert Covington, Rodney Hood, Simi Ojali. Um, there's just a ton of big wings on their team again. Um, but they that seems like a team, and you get – you. Put them with Morris and Kawhi and Paul George. That is a very versatile team, and it seems 
And it seems it seems like they have just as much potential to cause havoc in the playoffs this year as they did last year. Okay. Um, then we get ninth? to the uh, yeah the, the Lakers. Uh, Lakers are ninth, and they lost last night, so now they're five games under five hundred. Um, yeah. Callen Horton Tucker, they thought could be their trade piece this year. Couldn't really make anything happen with that. Uh, dangling their 2027 first wasn't enough. Yeah, they're they're just kind of stuck where they are. Um, there was a lot of talk they're going to try to trade Westbrook for John Wall, but Houston insisted on that first, and Lakers weren't willing to do that. So, yeah, they're stuck. Um, now, Anthony Davis has looked good since he came back, but, I mean, they might not even make the playoffs. It's it's a mess, man. I, I get a little bit of Scheidenfreude when I look at the mess of that team. <laughs> uh, let's see. Tenth is the Pelicans, and the Pelicans uh, improved. I think I think they made themselves better. Um, they traded away, you know, Alexander Walker. They traded a Josh Hart, Thomas Sadoransky, Didi Luzada. Uh, their first round pick this year, and then also two seconds, but they got back CJ McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., and Tony Snell. I think CJ on that team is a good move. He's a veteran guard that will really help them out. So you got CJ and Ingram and Jonas Valanciunas, and then you may or may not get Zion back, but in general, I think that that makes their team better. I. The Pelicans are one of those teams that would be like a, a league pass team. You know, they, they've got yeah. talent. It's just, can they put it together? Yeah, and they got a, they have a rookie coach, right? Yeah, it's Willie Green. So, oh yeah, and they have Herb Jones too. He's He's been an exciting rookie. So, there, there are a lot of really cool pieces there. And maybe now that CJ's there, they can make something happen. So I'm, I'm interested to see where that goes. Okay, 11 is Portland. Portland, um, they seem to have waved the red flag, white flag on the season with the trades they made, although they have won their last two games, so who knows if it'll work out the way they want. But they have traded away. C.J. McCollum, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, three of their starters. Larry Nance Jr. and Tony Snell, they waived Cody Zeller. They got back uh, the Pelicans first. They got four seconds. And they brought in Bledsoe, Winslow, Keon Johnson, Josh Hart, Didi Lozada, Joe Ingles, Elijah Hughes. Woof. Yeah, this is... I, I feel like they lost, like, every trade they could. Doesn't it feel that way? It does. They, I mean, at this point, I, I know what they're doing. They're trying to collect some draft picks. They're trying to collect shorter contracts. Um, you know, Nurkic is a free agent this summer. Who knows if they'll bring him back or not. Um, and then there are other guys like Dennis Smith Jr. who are going to be off the books. But this is what Portland basically did is they said, we're mailing in this season, <clears throat> and then the offseason, we're going to be flexible enough that we're going to try to get some big free agent to put next to Lillard, 
and we're going to try to do this one more time of build it around Dame, try to get him a good running mate, and then see what we can do. And if that works, great. And if it doesn't, then I think, I think, I think, um, 16 months from now, um, is when Portland's either a winning team again or Lillard's getting traded. So you're thinking not this coming summer, but the following summer. Yes, I think this coming summer they're going to do what they can to uh, build a renewed team around Lillard. And if they do that and a year after that they still find themselves at like the eighth or ninth seed, that's when you trade Dame. That's what I think they're going to do. I, I can see them moving him in a year because I, yeah. I, I can see it just not working right away. Yeah. I mean, they might be okay, but they're not going to be in a, a good position, I I don't think, um, next All-Star break. Yeah, I agree. Um, 12th was Sacramento. Um, <clears throat> they, uh, they went on LN on trying to make the 10th seed. So they they waived Robert Woodard and uh, Jamius Ramsey. I'm not sure if that's how you say his name. They traded away Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Tristan Thompson, Marvin Bagley III. And in 2024 second, they got back two other second-round picks in addition to <clears throat> DeMontis Sabonis, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, Dante DiVincenzo, and Trey Lyles. Um, this... Well, it's it's looking good so far. I I still am surprised they traded away Halliburton, but as was I, as was I. Uh, I think someone pointed out that playing next to Halliburton has actually hurt Fox, and by trading away Halliburton, they think this will help Fox play better. And maybe that's the case or not. I I still am amazed that they did it, but okay. At least they traded him for an All Star, so. <clears throat> yeah, Sabonis on that team, that might be good enough to get them to the 10th seed. Uh, Portland certainly seems willing to drop, but, you know, they have to count on the Pelicans or the Lakers or somebody falling like that for them to catch up, and I'm not sure if they're going to be able to do that with either of those teams. Well, I mean, just going forward, I mean, looking beyond this season, I don't hate the move for Sacramento. I didn't think well, let me put it this way. I thought Halliburton was untouchable. I, I yeah. thought he was one of those guys that were going to hold on to. Um, but what you do with this move is you give yourself more balance in terms of your positions. Because we've talked about it. Sacramento had so much depth on the wing. They had Fox. They had Hill. They had Barnes. They had Halliburton. Uh, they had Mitchell. You know, they had all these guys that played similar positions. And what they do is they bring in a fantastic player, an all-star in Sabonis to give you a big man to kind of mix in with those guys. So I don't hate it. They got other pieces back as well. You know, it's nice to see Sacramento doing something and maybe they maybe they show us something in the next year or two. Who knows? Yeah, and I think uh, Rashawn Holmes had been a good player for them, and now he's coming off the bench. And you know, I think he's a guy that they'll look to trade this summer, see if they can get you know another 
forward or something for him. <clears throat> but yeah, so and so far, I mean, it's it's been two games, but so far it looks like it's a good fit. So we'll just see how it works out for them long term. Now, number thirteen is the Spurs. I thought they made some sneaky good trades. Spurs weren't going anywhere, so they got themselves some depth. Um, they traded away Derek White, Thaddeus Young, Drew Eubanks, Juancho Hernan Gomez, and a second-round pick. They got back two other second-round picks. They got back three first-round picks. <clears throat> Although I think one of them is just a pick swap, but at the time I couldn't really tell. Some of these sites weren't complete on what they were reporting. So they got two or three first-round picks in addition to Sadaransky, Romeo Langford, Josh Richardson, Goran Dragic. Um, I think they, they took a step back for the remainder of the season to really uh, put a foot forward next year. I really liked the assets they were able to collect. So I thought those were good moves for San Antonio. Yeah, it, I mean, securing those picks helps them going forward. That's kind of where that team is right now. Um, the only thing is they just need to win four more games this season. That That's yeah. that, that's all they have to do. They, they need to win four. I believe Popovich is currently tied uh, second all-time in coaching with Lenny Wilkins. So I think four wins is what it takes for him to secure that number one spot. And really, that's the only thing that matters in San Antonio right now. Also, with the yeah. Dragic acquisition, he will not be suiting up for the Spurs. It sounds like he's moving to a buyout. Oh, he is? Okay. Well, that makes sense. I, I think I think that's what I get, So Yeah. Um, Spurs have won their last two, so Pop is now three games a win from tying Don. And four will get him over the top. He is currently tied for second with Lenny Wilkins as we record this. Um the last two teams are have been tanking all year, and we knew it. <clears throat> um, Oklahoma City, they got Casey Akpala and a 2025 first from Miami. They traded away a 2026 second, and then they waived Paul Watson. Um, the first they got, I think, was a conditional first Miami owed them, and they changed the they changed what their protections were on it. So I think they had their 2023 first that was like heavily protected for five years and they just moved it to 2025 with very little protections. I think that's what the details were on that one. But, you know, just just another little extra thing to help them out in the future and, you know, take a flyer on this guy who is at the end of the heat bench, see if he gives them anything. And they're well under the tax. So. Unless they sign some giant free agents in the buyout market, um, Derek Favors is going to get some extra millions. So good for him. <coughs> All right, and bottom of the barrel, Houston. They got Dennis Schroeder and Bruno Fernando. They traded away Daniel Tice back to Boston. They waived DJ Augustin, Armani Brooks, and Ennis Freedom. And they are where they are. So Aww. they're... They're tanking his continuing. Yeah, once again, I think, I think he's, I think he's done now. <laughs> I think between his, uh, uh, some of the far right stuff he's been going off lately, and just the fact that you just can't play him because his defense just doesn't make up for what he can do from an offense. I think he's, I think he's probably done at this point. I'm curious he, what what his next career move is. 
we we've talked about it. We think we know. I just want to see if it actually happens. Yeah. Yeah. I know he he wanted to do some pro wrestling after. I don't know if he'll still be able to or not with everything that's been going on with him lately, but maybe. Still a big guy. He we'll is see. a large Okay. <clears throat> Let's go to the East. At the time I tweeted this out, Miami was number one team. I think they're still number one. Uh, all they did was they got a distant second for sending away Akpala and that first to Oklahoma City. They didn't really need to do anything. They're looking great this year. Uh, number two seed is Chicago. They didn't make any moves. Um, their offseason moves have been awesome, and they got some injuries right now. I don't blame them at all for standing pack because I think they have a really good team. Um, wait, 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 wait. Chicago but, is in, in the second seed? Yeah. Wow, I thought they had dropped. Because earlier uh, I said DeRozan yeah. would be an MVP candidate if, if Chicago were better. But if they're sitting second, then DeRozan absolutely should be in that conversation if he keeps up the play that he's he's had so far. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, they had stumbled but after some of their injuries, but they've won the last three, so they're still in second. <clears throat> okay, third. Um, Cleveland, they traded away the injured Ricky Rubio with their first and two seconds. They got back a different second, and they got Karis Liver. I like um, that. I, I like it a lot, too. <clears throat> if uh, Rubio wasn't injured, I don't think this move would have happened, but Levert is a great sixth man to have for Cleveland with what they're already doing, and Kevin Love's already been an awesome sixth man for them, too. So I, I, I love this move for Cleveland. And no, I, if Levert can just get back to what he was a couple of years ago, it's going to be outstanding for him. And that, that's the thing. I mean, they are in a position right now, sitting third in the East. Make sure you secure that playoff spot. You know, they, they haven't had a playoff spot without LeBron James since like 98, I think. You know, we're, we're talking like Mark yeah. Rice days. So to, to yeah. be in a position to do that at the All-Star break, Good move. Um, let's see if they can hang on and and not only make the playoffs, but have home court. Yeah, and the thing with the East is the top five teams are all still only within two and a half games of each other. So that's going to be a horse race the rest of the way. <clears throat> uh, the number four team is Milwaukee. <clears throat> they traded away Dante DiVincenzo, Rodney Hood, and Semi Eljale. They got back Serge Ibaka and two second-round picks. Um, I think this one is interesting because, you know, they won the title last year. They didn't really need any of those guys. I don't think Hood or allegedly Oj- – I don't know how to say his name. Ojale? Ojale. Uh, they weren't on the team last year when they won. You know, Dante was hurt. And they didn't have the other two guys. Um, they tried <clears throat> to have DeMarcus Cousins as their backup big. It didn't really work. So they get Serge Ibaka. Um, Serge Ibaka is good insurance for Brooke Lopez. <clears throat> Although he hasn't been that healthy himself, so we'll see how that works out or not. I think it's a fine move. They didn't really need to do much. Um, but I think <clears throat> with the development of Grayson Allen, they felt comfortable trading away DiVincenzo. And then the fifth seed, here we go to the big one. They have mm-hmm. traded away Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two firsts in order to get back James Harden and Paul Millsap. Um, where do you rank Philly's chances for making the finals now? 
Um, slightly higher than they were before. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't feel like they're substantially better. I feel like you gave up a lot because I, I don't know how much Paul Millsap's going to play, and I don't know how good James Harden's going to be. And you probably could have gotten Harden in the off season for nothing. So, I don't know. But at the same time, if Harden is Houston Harden, you do have a very good duo in him and Embiid. It's going to come down to how Doc wants to stagger minutes, who's going to be on the floor with who. Um, But I, I do think they have a better chance of making the finals now than they did before because, let's face it, you're... Your all-star, your number one overall pick, your rookie of the year years ago was not playing a game. And he wasn't exactly a great player for you in the playoffs last season either. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think you want to wait till the offseason. <clears throat> they want him in the playoffs this year. They don't want to waste a playoffs um, with Embiid waiting for off-season trades. I think it was a good move for them. I think if you get Harden in and he's revitalized, then, you know, I think their chances are that much better. I still think Milwaukee's a team to beat, and I think some of the other teams are going to be tough. Um, you know, Chicago's fully healthy. Uh, Miami's been great all year. Um, but I, I think this does slightly improve their chance to make the finals by having that second star. Phillies managed to stay pretty close to the top without uh, that second star next to Embiid all year. Now he has that second star. Mills, Millsap, I don't think, is going to play at all. I think he'll be garbage minutes. He, he seems pretty done. But <clears throat> I think I think it was a good move for them. Um, I I just kind of hoped that they could uh, they could keep Curry there. You know, I I feel like him going to. Uh, to Brooklyn is an underrated acquisition for Brooklyn. But, yeah, you know, you, you do what you have to do, and Maury got his guy. And at, at the beginning of the season, John, I said, you should trade Simmons for Kyrie. And I was close. I was close, but, yeah. but not yeah. quite. And uh, it'll be interesting, the, the streak that kind of happens here, because... I believe Maury was one of my picks for GM of the year for that, that front office award. And I said, it, it depends on how you get out of this Ben Simmons situation. If this pays off, you know, he, he will be in contention for that. I think. Yeah. So a couple months from now, I mean, how many games back, are uh are the Sixers from the the top spot? Uh, Sixers are two and a half games back right now. From first. <clears throat> yep. So I mean, that's easy to make up. Yeah, you did have Maury as your number two pick for executive year. So. And the number one which is the one we all picked, was Sean Marks and the Nets. So we'll see. We'll get to them in a minute. Um, 
Oh, and the stat I did see that was interesting. Uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden only played 16 games together. One of the great what-ifs of NBA history. Okay, number six is the surprising surging Toronto Raptors. Um, they've been playing great. They've won eight of the last ten. <clears throat> they traded away the first-round pick with Goran Dragic, who hasn't been playing for them, to get back Thaddeus Young and also got a 2022 second. They also got Drew Eubanks, but they waived him. Um, this gives this gives Toronto a little something extra. Thaddeus Young is still a really good player. Um, you knew he wasn't going to stay on the Spurs all year. He had to go somewhere. So they they shore up, getting another big body to come off their bench. I, I like this for Toronto. I don't really see any way for them to get out of the first round this year, but I thought they got something for Drogic. Um The first is going to be pretty low anyway, so at least they got a vet like Thad Young from it. Yeah, that, that Drogic situation was just kind of hovering there. I mean, wasn't he, like, doing shoot-arounds at the Miami practice facility when he was on Toronto's roster? So, Yeah. He played. Mm. He, he only played two or three games and then took some personal leave and just has been sitting out. He just didn't want to play for Toronto, so they said fine. And, okay, he's finally free. Um, but he will be booed mercilessly <laughs> next time he plays in Toronto. Um, <clears throat> number seven is the Boston Celtics. They've been actually a very hot team. Uh, they've won nine of the last ten. Their defense has been great lately. And they've made some moves. They traded away two first-round picks, a 2028 second. Bull Bull, PJ Dozier, Dennis Schroeder, Bruno Fernando, Ennis Freedom, Josh Richardson, Romeo Lankford. They got back Daniel Tice, Derek White. And they also got another second for their troubles, but they have trimmed some fat on their roster to really shore it up. I think I think they've positioned themselves really well, really well um, with these moves. Um, I thought Schroeder was a decent uh, point guard for them. He started half the games. Um, Marcus Smart has been uh, steady for them, and you have Tatum and Brown. Um, but this really, this really uh, kind of cements what their bench is going to be. And Derek White is a really good player to come off their bench. And, you know, he's in his first game with them, he scored 15. So that looks like, you know, one game. Um, but it, it really kind of solidified what the personality of this team is going to be. They're only going to be eight, nine deep going forward. And this really positions them well for the playoffs. Um, and momentum is everything, and I really like their momentum right now. So, you know, Boston's not dead yet. Yeah, but they're hitting their momentum right as they get to the All-Star break. Will they be able to pick it back up? We'll see. Yeah, that's true. Okay. At the time I did this, Brooklyn was eighth. and Oh, yeah, they're eighth. They're still eighth. Good. <laughs> okay, so Brooklyn traded away James Harden and Paul Millsap, and they waived DeAndre Bembry. I was actually surprised he was waived. I think someone will pick him up soon. And they got Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two firsts. So all those assets they gave up to get Harden, they got a little bit of it back to replace him. Um, the Brooklyn situation has been a hot mess. Um, you know, 
the whole thing with Kyrie, who could have seen this coming, but um, now now they got a good defender and a pass-first guy on their team to put next to Durant. Seth Curry's going to be there, too. And with Joe Harris and Patty Mills, um, I think Brooklyn is in a lot better position than they were last week. Um, a disgruntled Harden can really sandbag a team. Um, they still have Kyrie there, who's going to play half the games, but, you know... Maybe maybe this, when Ben Simmons gets back in shape and play, we'll see what he's like. But at least they did something. This season has been a disaster for them. Um, you know, this this might this at least stop the free fall, and then they get back to it. But you know, I, I don't see them winning anything this year. I I'd still say even with a healthy Durant, they're probably a second round exit. But <clears throat> at least they did something. I, I really like this move for for Brooklyn. You you get a, a shooter in Curry, you get a defender and a facilitator in Simmons. Um, you get those first round picks, which is going to help your franchise going forward. Um, you get out of you know you've just had this aging Millsap. It, it felt very reminiscent to what Brooklyn did back when they had Garnett and Pierce. You know what I mean, Joe Johnson. Yeah. Like they got all these guys way too late. Um, the, they added some youth um, and some future picks. I, I feel like it's it's great for them. Um, I think if Simmons can get his conditioning right, I I would watch out for them. Still, I think the best acquisition they could have made at the uh, the trade deadline would be a COVID vaccine for Kyrie. Yeah, <laughs> like, like really, if you could do that, that that would have him in all of your games. It would make a huge difference. But like people are saying, John, now they got two guys who won't take a shot. There you go. All right. <clears throat> uh, number nine is Charlotte. They got Montrez Harrell, and they sent away Ish Smith and Vernon Carey for it. That's a, that's a nice little piece that'll that'll help them in the play-in tournament. Um, Charlotte's been up and down, but they're a fun young team. I think I think that Hills he's that's a move basically to maybe help them win in the play-in game and a decent vet to come off your bench. He was a six-man a couple years ago. It's fine. Um. Number 10 is Atlanta. They didn't make any moves. Atlanta, you know, they made the Eastern Conference Finals last year. It's been a big disappointment this year. They did trade away Cam Reddish at the end of January for Kevin Knox, which is a, you know, not much of a move because Kevin Knox isn't anything. I think they got a pick out of it, too, and that's why they did it. But Atlanta's not going anywhere. Um, Washington is number 11. Bradley Beal is done for the year, so they're not going anywhere either. And they traded away Dinwiddie, Bertans, Harrell, and Aaron Holiday. They got back Porzingis, Ish Smith, and Vernon Carey. Uh, Porzingis is a guy that they hope will be healthy next year, and maybe he can help them next year. But Washington's done this year. And they really just basically wanted to get rid of Dinwiddie. So it's, we, it's we the talk Kuzma about show. Yeah. The, the Washington is the Kuzma show for the rest of the year. And I'm sure Kuzma's thrilled that he at least gets to put up some numbers, although can't be that fun putting up numbers on a losing team. 
Hey, man, he, he got a triple-double. When's the last time someone on the Jazz got a triple-double in the regular season? 2008. Exactly. The Bush administration. Okay. Um, number 12 is Knicks. They didn't make any moves. They are a very sad, sad fan base. They hate everybody there. They want to trade everybody there. Randall doesn't really want to be there anymore. It's a disaster. Sorry, Who could Tony. have seen this coming? <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Tony. We love you. Okay. And let's see. Number 13 is Indiana. Indiana knew they had to make some moves. Uh, so they traded away Levert, Sabonis, Holiday, Lamb, Craig, two seconds. They got back a first-round pick, three seconds for the injured Ricky Rubio. But they got Halliburton, Heald, Thompson, and Jalen Smith. Uh, Halliburton is going to thrive in Indiana. It makes you wonder what decisions they're going to make between Halliburton and Brogdon in the offseason. Depends how this season goes. I, I like the move for Indiana, and I think it it really sets them up for more flexibility in the future. So I think I think overall it works for them. You're you're 13th in the East, so my, my well Miles Turner's now your starter again, right? Yeah. So I mean, you you you've got a good big, uh, a decent big. You get a young guy in Halliburton. He's like 21, isn't he? Yeah, he's pretty young. Yeah, so Indiana will make some moves. This is good for their future, but they're they're not making the playoffs this year. So, yeah, and they've they've gotten some good stuff from their rookie uh, Chris Duarte. They, they got a few rookies on their team, but this you know now now they've kind of you kind of see where this team is going. What they had before wasn't really working. This gives you a better idea where they're going to go. And then of course we get to the bottom of the East, Orlando. They waived a bunch of guys. They waived Etwan Moore, Michael Carter-Williams, who both have been injured most of the year and weren't going to play anyway. And they got P.J. Dozier in the trade and waived him. I was kind of surprised by that. So they added Bull Bull and a 2028 second and sent away a 2023 second. Eh. Not really sure what Orlando's doing, but I guess it doesn't really matter. And then the it's last... Okay, John. Ne- yeah. Neither does Orlando. They, they don't know what they're doing either, so... Yeah, I... I, that's just a sad team. Um, Gary Harris is going to be a free agent at the end of the year, and they're they're going to have a ton of cap space. But even though they have a ton of cap space, Orlando's a nice city. Um, I guess it really comes down to health. Jonathan Isaac's been out all year. Markel Fultz has missed most of the year. Guys, they were counting on Jalen Suggs has shown promises. A rookie. Uh, Franz Wagner has shown promise as a rookie. I, I mean, they're an exciting rookie team, so you're just basically letting those guys get their minutes. Um, Cole Anthony, a lot of a lot of good young players, but it's the type of team where they're they're going to need a vet to come in, help help them get back to sniffing the playoffs, which they are far far from right now. <clears throat> Speaking of being far far away from sniffing the playoffs, we get to Detroit. Uh, all the Hype around Jeremy Grant, nothing materialized. Uh, word was their asking price was too high. And if you're wanting two sec, two firsts for Jeremy Grant, yeah, your your asking price is too high. Um, but they did get Marvin Bagley um, and traded away Trey Lyles in two seconds for their troubles. Here's a guy who's a former number two pick. Maybe a change of scenery, they can do something with him. It's it's fine. They they 
they've added another young guy they can try to develop. We'll see if anything happens there. So those are all the all the trades of the NBA. Which of all those teams, which ones do you think came out best in the, in the trades? Um, I think Brooklyn is one of them. I think I think Sacramento is going to be a good one. Like I I still I I wish they hadn't let Halliburton go, but I feel like that opens up that roster and gets more guys on the court at the the right time. So I I just see that that going well. And I I really like that that Levert to Cleveland move. I I really do. You know, like yeah. I said, get get your playoff spot and and see what you can do because they've they've got a fun they've got a fun roster, man. I mean, they got Jared Allen, you got Darius Garland, you add in Levert. Um, what's their rookie's name? He was my rookie of the year pick. Not not when we started, but Duarte. once we got into the season, what? Chris Duarte. Yeah. So. Duarte, I can't remember. I think it's just Duarte. Duarte. No, it's Duarte. <clears throat> But yeah, he's he's been great. He's been averaging thirteen points a game. And, um, yeah, he's he's looking good. It, this has been a really good rookie class. I've been really impressed with how many um, rookies are playing well in their first year. Um, <clears throat> you know, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, Josh Giddy, Kaminga's looking good in the minutes he's finally getting in Golden State. Franz Wagner, Devion Mitchell. Um, Chris Duarte, you know, all these guys have been playing really well and showing a lot of promise. And even guys further down the list, like we've seen sparks from Keon Johnson, from Bones Highland. Um, it's It's been a very good crop. And, you know, second rounders like Herb Jones. And I personally have been pleased on what we've seen out of Jared Butler the past few games. Mm-hmm. So just just a really good class overall. As, as far as the uh, the trades, were there any that you were, were kind of your favorites? This this trade deadline, I thought most of the trades made sense for both teams and what everyone's trying to accomplish. Um, cause, like, I like the Boston-Philly trade for both teams. I think that helps both teams. I like the Clippers-Blazers trade for Clippers trying to make themselves better now and Blazers getting assets for their future. Um, The only trade I'd say that I wasn't a fan of was the Dallas-Washington trade where you're just swapping malcontents, and I don't think it necessarily makes either team better, but they're just rolling the dice and seeing if change of scenery can help them out. Yeah, but at the same time, people aren't happy where they're at. You know, sometimes that's worth it just to get them off the roster. Yeah. So. Okay, that was a lot of trade talk. And I, um, I covered the standings in that, too. Anything else in the NBA you want to talk about? Um, <laughs> let's do one quick hit on NBA. Uh, LeBron James reached a milestone yesterday, I believe. Passing Kareem for number one all-time in regular season and playoff scoring. Combined. Yep. yep. Um, big deal? Not a big deal? Uh, I think it's a big deal. Um, the for for regular season and post, it's a big deal. Um, 
he's still got a bit to go on the regular season, strictly regular season. But it's impressive that even though he's 1,800 points behind him on regular season, he was able to catch him in the postseason. And Kareem played in the postseason a lot, so that's, you know, some of the differences. There's more games in the postseason now than there was in Kareem's day. But, <clears throat> yeah, it's impressive. It's impressive because he's still playing at the level he's playing when he hit that mark. And, and that's what I was going to say, is LeBron on a better team would be an MVP candidate. Yeah. You know, I'm, I mean, it's just insane. The athleticism, the durability that he's shown, um, you know, so kudos to him. I, I hate that he's a Laker and, you know, that that's where this is happening, but it is what it is. Well, you know, the top top four scorers are all Lakers. It's <coughs> just the way it works. Are they? Are they? Yeah. Kareem, Malone, James, and Bryant. There's four Malone, Lakers right Malone there. never never played in. <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll have to get oh, the did? intern to, oh. to check that one. Okay, uh, maybe I think maybe my computer's just playing tricks on me. Oh, probably. You, I think you went to one of those bad websites. <clears throat> I think so. Turn turn your safe search on. One of those ones where McAfee just instantly pops up. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I just wanted to touch on that. Um. Let's do one quick hit today because today is. Is is basically the day for sports, right? This is the day everyone gets excited about. Super Bowl Sunday. We have the Rams. We have the Bengals. Who who you got? What are your thoughts on the game? I'll see how I feel as I watch the game. I think the Rams are going to win. I think I'll be rooting for the Bengals. And yet, there are a lot of players on the Rams I like too. So. You know, I, I'm I'm very happy with this combination. Um, I think I'd like the Bengals to win more just because they've never won it, and I have a soft spot for teams who've never won it in the NFL especially. So okay. I hope the Bengals can pull it off. But if the Rams pull it off, I won't be disappointed at all because, you know, I'm a fan of Matthew Stafford, and he finally got traded to a good team, and he's in a position to win. And, um, you know, there's there's a lot of guys on that team I like anyway, so I'll be I'll be happy either way. It'll be cool if Weddle is able to get a ring from this, and yeah. So I either way, very very happy with the combination. I think I'll root for the Bengals, but I won't be disappointed if they lose because yeah, because I like both teams. And and here's where I'm at. There there are I think three former University of Utah players on the Rams. Um. The Rams made it to the Super Bowl a few years back, lost. So, you know, that franchise having that moment of redemption would be nice for them. However, like you said, Bengals haven't won it. Got to support that. And, John, I cannot bet against Joe Burrow. Yeah. I mean, the kid is just a winner. And, I mean, he won at the uh, the college level. Did he get a Heisman? Wasn't he a Heisman winner? I think so. I don't, I don't really remember. See, I <laughs> thought I saw something that no player has ever won a Heisman, a college football national championship, and a NFL championship. Uh, yeah, he did with the Heisman. And, and if that's accurate, no one's ever done it. That's 
that puts two things in my mind. One, it'd be really cool to see because it would be history. And two, if no one's ever done it, maybe he won't be the first because that's a lot harder. But I just, I can't bet against him. I just can't do it. So I'm, I'm thinking the Bengals are going to win. I'm fine with them winning. If the Rams win, I will be happy for the Rams. All I really want is a good game and, uh, and some good commercials, you know, marketing guy. I, I, I want to see, want to see good commercials. You said the stat is no Heisman winners ever won a Super Bowl. No Heisman winner. No one's ever won all three, a Super Bowl, oh. a national championship and a Heisman. Okay. That's what I think I heard. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. As I'm looking at these names, all three. Yeah, I think you're right. <clears throat> and then, uh, and then halftime show. Halftime show is big this year, isn't it? Like Eminem, Dr. Dre. Yeah, a lot of people are calling this. Uh, there's going to be some sports happening in the bookends of a really good concert tonight on TV. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> so. It's weird, man. It's weird to to stop and think about like Dre and Eminem and when Eminem came onto the scene and now doing a Super Bowl like 20 plus years later. And we're all like, yeah, that'd be cool. And then I'm like, will the youths know who this is? <laughs> or will see. the youths be like, oh, you know, my parents are cool. It's it's just is Dr. Dre like classic rap now? What where where are we? Dre? Yeah. He's NWA. <laughs> That's classic. <laughs> but but, it, but is it like classic rock? You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. You know, he's when, when they broke out in the late 80s, early 90s yeah, era. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's that's contemporary with, you know, Bon Jovi and <laughs> so it's the Eminem, term, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Kendrick Lamar, and Mary J. Blige. Those, uh, are, those are everybody. It's a great lineup, but it is it is the classic rap of of Super Bowls. Yeah. All we're missing is public right. and cool Modi. Uh, Ice Cube was <laughs> in uh, ah. was in Salt Lake, so he he couldn't make it to the Super Bowl. I guess. I guess so. All right, you want to do some pop culture talk? Yeah. Um, saw a movie pop up on Netflix the other day. I've been sick most of this week, so I've been laying in bed binging. Um, and it's a movie called Big Bug, which is a French sci-fi movie. It's from director Jean-Pierre Junot, who directed The City of Lost Children and Amelie and some Alien Resurrection. He's He's got this really cool visual style. Um, okay. This one did not work for me, though. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, if you remember the video Black Hole Sun, where everyone smiles just a little too big, if you combine that with the fifth element and then give it a low budget and have it take place 95% in one house, that's what this movie is. It takes place in the near future where robots do a lot of the work that humans used to do, and <clears throat> um, some AI robots have been elected to take over the government as well. And you have a bunch of people who are basically trapped in this house because the robots inside determined that the threat level is too high to let them out. And they're seeing more and more evidence outside 
that the robots in charge of the government are becoming more and more like dictators. And it's it's mainly a comedy. Um, half of the robots look like something out of Mystery Science Theater 3000, and the other half are humans dressed up like robots. But it's it's just really it's just really weird and off the wall. And it did have some fun ideas that are explored, but it was just so obnoxious and goofy that I had a hard time watching it. It was just kind of annoying after a while. And it's one of those movies where if, if you if you just watch the trailer and understand that that is what the movie's like. So if you watch the trailer and it appeals to you, and then okay. But if you watch the trailer and you're like, this just looks too weird, trust me, it's too weird. So okay. that's fair. That's what I thought of that. And then TV, I, I did finish uh, The Woman Across the Street from the Girl in the Window. Hey, I watched that one too. Yes. Yeah, I <clears throat> um, overall I liked it. I thought it was kind of uneven. Sometimes it's a parody of these type of movies, and other times it's just so subtle that it feels like it's actually doing the tropes. But when I look at it as a whole, I really enjoyed it. I thought the last episode was especially hilarious. And I loved all the cliches it was doing. And I did see, uh, I, th- I think it's a lot more enjoyable if you've seen The Woman in the Window with Amy Adams. Because that seems to be the movie it's making fun of most. I love Kristen yeah. Bell just pouring herself giant glasses of wine to the very brim. And just sitting in her chair and staring outside. And all the cliches it had fun with. And <clears throat> I love the... The, the mailbox repairman who's just been working on this mailbox all week, <laughs> just fixing a mailbox and no one seems to care or notice. I, I loved a lot of little stuff like that. <laughs> the mailbox, it sounds, if I recall, he was uh, hired to fix the mailbox back when she was married. Yes. So he's been working on that mailbox for years. Yep. Yeah, I uh, I watched it. I... I laughed a lot more than I thought I was going to. Um, I mean, and and the way it starts out, where uh, Kristen Bell's doing kind of like the introduction, she's doing this British accent. I was like, why is she doing that accent? And then, you know, my imagination is too too active. Sometimes I speak in a fake British accent. I was like, perfect, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as casting, I don't think there is a single person who could play that role better than Kristen Bell. Like she was just perfect for that role. And I, I loved it. And I'm, I'm hoping there's a second season. I, I am led to believe that there will be, it wasn't listed as a limited series. So. Yeah, definitely open for it. Um, yeah. And, and if there's a second season I'd watch, so I'd be curious to see what direction they go with it. <clears throat> Okay, and then did you I, watch anything else? I, I did finally watch the after our last episode with all three of us. I finally watched the season finale of Cobra Kai. Oh, of course you did. When Alan's <laughs> not here to discuss it, of course. Well, and last week he's like, "Don't you dare discuss this without Devin." I'm like, "Okay, I won't." <laughs> okay, well, uh, you know, maybe like in 2023, if there's another right before season. the season premiere. Of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it before the next season comes out. Okay. Um, yeah, I I watched uh, the woman in the window, and I also started watching Murderville on Netflix. Oh yeah, I binged that too. That's fun. 
and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, the, uh, the amount of like scripted and what Will Arnett's character is prepared for versus the other people who come in. And I, I think I've seen three of the episodes and just the diversity that you're getting in people. Yeah. You know, it, it's when you see Marshawn Lynch come in and, and he wants to change his name to, you know, Officer Baga. You, you know, I, it's a family show. I don't. Yeah. It, it sounds like Bogdanovich. Yep. Well, <laughs> I, I. I've enjoyed it. You know, it's something silly. They're short episodes, but it's fun. Um, yeah, he was my favorite. Marshawn was. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I've, I'm three in, so three to go. So I'll, I'll finish it out, you know, early this week and then find something new to watch. Um, but last night I did rent a movie. Shout out to mobile Tuesdays. Went to Redbox and I, uh, I got Dune. Oh, good. So I, I sat home, watched Dune, and I enjoyed it. I didn't, like, love it, but while I was watching it, I just kept thinking how amazing movies have become. Just the, like, the flight scenes and, you know, yeah. everything that kind of goes into it. I was just like, this is, it's pretty incredible to compare to movies from, 20 years ago or 30 years ago it, it was well done i i like the cast i thought it was wonderful from an aesthetic uh perspective and I'll, I'll definitely check out you know what's next in the series i've never read the books so have you read the books i read the first one or are they worth are they worth checking out yeah yeah um i read the first one when I was a teenager and um, I had seen the David Lynch movie a long time ago and I did try to rewatch it last year and it was terrible and I couldn't get through it. And so when I watched the movie, I still remembered a lot of the basic beats of what was going on and it does only cover the first half of the book. Um, but I'm glad that it did well enough that they greenlit the sequel. So we are going to get the second half of the book. Um, to come out, you know, in 2023. And I'm looking forward to that. And Dune, I, Dune was one of my favorite movies of the year. I am always curious on what people think of it who haven't read the book. Like I saw it with someone who hadn't read the book and they were kind of lost for parts, but I, I thought, I thought they did a really good job, made it as about as accessible as you could without, you know, making it dumb or anything. I thought the, the look of everything, the scope of everything, just how big everything is. I thought the director did great with all that. He's one of my favorite directors anyway. And, yeah, I, I, I thought it was outstanding. Yeah, the, the scale of everything was... And, was I, and really... I saw it on IMAX, too, so I had all that going for me. I, I did I did go to the theater room to watch it. I wasn't going to do just, you know, the small TV thing. It was like, I had heard this needs to be seen on a big screen. So I went as big as I could at home. Yeah. And uh, now that I've seen the first one sequel comes out. Yeah. I, I'm thinking uh, I'll probably go check that one out in the movie theater. So if you haven't seen Dune, uh, give it, give it a try. Even if you haven't read the book and I'll probably, uh, probably pick up the book honestly and, and read it because there were moments I felt a little 
kind of behind? Like, am I am I getting everything? Who's who and what's what? Um, so now I'm just kind of in that rough point of, well, do I read the book first and then spoil the movie, or do I watch the movie and then book's kind of spoiled and just read the book after? I, it's always a tough decision when you've you've got you know two options. <laughs> so yeah. All right. Well, we've been at this for a long, long time. Um, we miss Alan. He couldn't be here today. I think he's uh, in mourning because his 49ers aren't in the Super Bowl. But, you know, that's just me. I think that's the case. Okay. Well, we will see what happens with the upcoming week. Um, before we talk to you guys, you're probably going to have two jazz games and NBA All-Star weekend action. So enjoy that. And be sure, if you have not, give us a like on Facebook. We have a Facebook, right? Yeah, we have Facebook. Give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, share our stuff. Let other people know, hey, if you like jazz, if you like sports. Have them check us out and leave us a five-star review on your listening platform. With that, everyone, enjoy. Well, you're already going to have enjoyed Super Bowl Sunday, so have a great week. John, take us out. Bye, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.